Hey everyone, welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. How are you guys? How are you doing? I'm genuinely asking because I know so many of us are experiencing this kind of Groundhog Day situation where every day feels the same and I'm right there with you. This is such an interesting time to be alive and I think it's an amazing chance to observe ourselves and see where our common patterns are coming up and how we're holding ourselves when everything is unpredictable or actually kind of mundane. (laughs) It's like weird. We're living in such a funny dichotomy. But yeah, I've been kind of doing some deeper soul searching this week. I've really been interested in Sahara Rose's Discover Your Dharma work. So I've been looking into what my dharma is. If you guys are into human design, astrology, anything like that, you might really enjoy looking into figuring out what your dharma is. So there's a few different archetypes. You can be like the visionary, the researcher, the teacher, Um, there's like eight more, (laughs) I need to remember. Um, But I think I'm the visionary artist entertainer. So that's been really interesting for me to research and this is giving me a chance to observe how I'm communicating with people, how I can be a better listener. I'm a projector and a visionary in human design and Dharma archetypes. If you know anything about that, that's kind of a complicated mix. I often tend to like overexert myself onto people or give unsolicited advice. So that's something I'm really working on and not judging myself at all through it, but just being more aware of where I can be a better listener in times like that. So that's kind of what I'm going through, trying to write some music, uh, do some more writing. But yeah, I'm so used to kind of having this hustle and bustle lifestyle, you know, being on the road trip that I was on a while ago. Uh, living in New York City, like such active kinds of lifestyles. And here I'm really being asked to slow down and just be, which is, you know, you can hear me taking a deep breath. It's a journey and it's a privilege and it's a gift to be able to slow down like this. So I'm curious to know what you all are experiencing and what you're working through. But one of my greatest joys during this time of slowing down has been connecting with people like Nick, who we have on the podcast today. And you know, I've also been meeting people honestly through Instagram and like social media who are in my area, which has been really rewarding, you know, to connect with a deeper community here and get to make new friends and know new friends. I am somebody who has kind of had the same friend circle for forever. And I have a sister who I'm really close with. So I'm not like a lone wolf, but I kind of am at the same time. So I'm also stepping into more of a communal place and being really open to meeting new people safely, obviously, but that's been something that's also bringing me joy. So there's still so many possibilities that can come out of these situations, but okay. Anyways, I've had a little wine. I'm winding down for the night. So I'm a little rambly, but okay, let's get into today's conversation. We're talking, we're hearing from Nick Onkin, who's 
an amazing person. He's a photographer. He hosts his own podcast called Onkin Radio, which you guys should totally check out. He's also a hat designer and overall creative entrepreneur. And he's really helping us to recognize that we're creating our own realities through thoughts, beliefs, and actions, which we know, but I love that Nick dives deeper into this. And in this episode, we talk about how he came to understand himself as a soul having a physical experience. You know, that's my favorite topic to cover and talk to people about. We talk about the beauty of plant medicine, using mushrooms, using ayahuasca, things like that. We talk about his transition out of a religious upbringing, his career as a photographer. He's worked with some amazing people. So we talk about how he came into contact and how he kind of manifested that lifestyle, maybe without even knowing it. Uh, what he does to stay centered. We talk about creative alchemy and what that really means. And we talk about how men can be more fully embodied. So it was such an honor to chat with him and I'm excited for you guys to hear this. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So slide into our DMs, let us know what you're learning. If you feel inspired to send this to a friend that you think could benefit from this information, please do. And if you feel called to leave a review, I would be so grateful. So I'm just so grateful that you're even here. You know, I know that there are a lot of other podcasts out there that you could be listening to, so much content to consume, but uh, I'm really grateful for you and I love you and enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Okay, so the first question I love to ask people is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any morning routines or rituals that you go to? Yeah, well, I would say the morning is the best way to get the day started you know i just posted you know own your morning own your day because i what i've realized is is that if you can reset and and create a state change of emotion and and um chemicals in the brain then you can um the day just goes a lot smoother and so your cortisol is the highest in the morning when you first wake up so I try, you know, I try not to touch my phone and look at messages or Instagram or any of that for the first like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and then I'll just get up and I'll, uh, I'll meditate. I'll do a beta meditation for 20 minutes, gratitude practice. Um, then I'll throw in some other stuff sometimes. Like I just did the 21 days of abundance after, you know, like in addition to that for the last three weeks. Um, but that's my typical first thing I do drink water. Um, and then I'll do some movement. So a little bit of yoga stretch and then, a, a you know, 15 minute kind of hit workout typically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of, and I'll listen while I work out, I'll listen to a podcast. Um, cause I think listening to podcasts can give you something to, um, create also create a state change of like if it's an interesting topic that you want to learn about that like you know inspires you or you know gets you moving so that's kind of my my morning grounding i know when i'm traveling like it's definitely always at least 20 minutes of meditation and gratitude practice every morning um and what i've been loving is insight timer and using that because uh it kind of gamifies a little bit you now have like over 500 some odd like consecutive days of, of meditations. And, and like, when you look at the app, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. I can't, I can't not let it go. For the next day. <laughs> so, right. 
um, yeah, so that's kind of my, and then I kind of start to get into work and then I have a protein smoothie bowl that I typically make with all kinds of goodies and supplements and, and I'll take supplements and vitamins and all that, all that stuff. Beautiful. So that's, my, that's my morning. Love that. Awesome routine. Can you tell us about the 21 day challenge? What was that entailing? Oh, it's, it's just, uh, Deepak Chopra. I, they, they did it. It's been going around for a few years now. Um, that's 21 days of abundance. I think it was mainly, it was, I think Deepak and Oprah were doing it, but I think mainly it's just Deepak's thing. Um, and basically you can do it in a group. Like you basically get groups. There's like instructions and you're supposed to do, um, a different exercise each day. And then at a certain point you invite other people and you start your own group and kind of pass it on. Um, and then there's a medit a daily meditation that's different every day that he guides. It's mm. usually about 15 minutes, 10, 12 to 15 minutes. Gotcha. Uh, so I did that last summer, which was really, really great. I did the whole thing. And then this, this time I just like went back and did the meditations. Yeah, absolutely. I think gratitude is one of the most beneficial things that we can tap into as a collective right now and always. How do you feel like gratitude practices have changed your perspective and your day-to-day? -day? Well, um, if you, I don't know if you ever studied Joe Dispenza. Oh yeah, love him. Uh, but gratitude is the easiest way to change your state. So your emotional physiology of how you're feeling. I mean, if you start to think of what you're grateful for, even if, you know, you feel like you don't have a lot to be grateful for, you, you might have a breath, your breath to be grateful for, you have, there's so many things. And I think when you can get down to what it is that you're, you are grateful for, that is, that changes your state. And so when you change your state, it just, you know, it's all the frequency, you're like tuning the frequency. So if you start off your morning and you tune it with gratitude, then you're like moving through the day um, mm -hmm. at that frequency. And if you can keep practicing it throughout the day, I think it really keeps that emotional frequency going. Absolutely. I think you were talking about this recently too. And I just watched the little movie soul, which just was so captivating and so cute. But what I loved from that message of that film um, was that life really is in the little moments. And I feel like gratitude helps us tap into those tiny little moments that give us this deeper purpose that's not necessarily connected to profession or titles or anything. It's just about simply being and that being enough. And I feel like gratitude really helps us tap into that consciousness and, and understand that like we don't need to be doing or being so much that it's okay to just be in existence and it's beautiful at the base level. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that movie was great. So uh, good. I love that yeah, kids yeah. are watching that too. I mean, we didn't really have movies like that as kids that we were like, oh, okay, dying isn't that scary. Like it's, it's going to be okay. We're, <laughs> we're little spirits having a human experience. Yeah. I mean, that also depends on what your upbringing is too. You know, I mean, I grew up in a very conservative Christian upbringing and it's funny because I, we watched it over the holidays and everybody in my family was kind of like, what? This mm. doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then my dad walked out because, you know, it just goes against that whole way of thinking. So yeah, okay. very interesting. Very interesting. Well, now I'm so curious, Nick, because you are in this whole realm and you're such a spiritually connected person. How did you get to this point? If, you know, being raised in that kind of Christian family, how did you become the person you are today? What did your spiritual journey look like? 
Well, it's it's been a long one. I will say that I I was heavily involved in the church up until I was about 21 and I was in like the church worship bands and like all that stuff and playing the music. And I was very cultured into believing something that I don't think I ever really believed. It just was there. And it was like, I was supposed to believe it, but I just like, there was this thing within me that was just like, I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me, but I still went along with it. Cause when you're a kid, that's, you know, what you do and ended up having friends that like in a community that were like all in that world. So I just, you know, kind of, you know, went along with it and tried my best to believe it. And then when I turned 21, I kind of got burnt out because I was going, I was doing something with the church every day, almost six days a week. And I just was like, ah, I don't know what, I don't know what hit me, <laughs> but it kind of started like causing me to question things and just question what I was doing and so I kind of started to take a little bit of a step back, but it was still a good seven-year process of really, really detaching from that programming because um, it really, really is a program and it's something that you're just conditioned to, you know, not necessarily by choice uh, until you start to step away and realize that it, was, it is a program. So I had I, one of my first girlfriends, like shortly thereafter, um, was agnostic and she really kind of like, she helped me to explore the direction that I was really heading. And we just had a lot of philosophical conversations around life and, and spirituality stuff, whatever it was. And so that just, that also was like a catalyst for my own thought process. Mm. And then, yeah, probably, you know, it was in my upper twenties is when I kind of like finally let all that stuff go. And then, you know, living, exploring a whole new different dynamic, a different exploration. I wouldn't necessarily say I was like spiritual at that point. Um, and then, cause my photography career started taking off and then that like hit a, a pretty high point. And then, um, it was a few years ago. Well, and then, then it started to take a dive and then I started going down this emotional spiral. Uh, and I did this, I ended up, my, my friend got me into this emotional intelligence and leadership training and called MITT. It's out in LA and, uh, did that and had a, created a whole new framework for just emotional intelligence and thinking and framework and possibility, living in possibility and, and kind of very the the very conscious five percent conscious piece of the whole experience, right? Um, kind of like therapy is very much like a, a conscious. You're you're operating in the five percent conscious realm of understanding and, and expansion, which is still a lot of space to expand there. Mm-hmm. And then you know a few probably like was it five four or five years ago, I went through a relationship. Um, that and my my business was still like struggling because of like the the just a lot of different things including the the upheaval like with instagram and social media and everything like that so um i was dating this woman and it was just super i mean it was the it was the relationship that i needed to just like punch me in the face um mm-hmm. in in the good way in the best way possible it was like the cosmic brick that i needed uh to to help to list for me to listen to and and I was going through that. It was just like having such a hard time and it was so toxic and uh, learned, learned a lot. And then finally, like I was, and I was still struggling to keep my business going while trying to support her through physical stuff and pain and all this stuff. And like, I just started crumbling. And then when we broke up, it took me like three times to break up with her. And, and finally I felt, you know, a huge sense of relief, but then it just sent me into this whole downward in like, 
dark night of the soul really is what it was. And between my business crashing and that breakup, and I started reading tons of books um, and just trying to figure my life out, questioning the existence of, of everything, the, the meaning of our existence here on this earth and, and um, trying to understand that and trying to understand where, what I was doing. It, w- it went deep. And then I ended up, um, and then I did DMT for the first time, well, that was the first kind of ever plant medicine that I ever did. It was normal, the toad medicine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that I, I, it sent me out through the, the outer reaches of the universe. Um, I did it in Topanga actually. No way. Yeah. There was a guide out there that I did it with. Oh, I might have to get that contact from you later. <laughs> That's funny awesome. enough. Funny enough. He was great. I have other contacts too that, that serve it, but, um, but yeah, so that was amazing. And while I, it was such a great journey, but like coming back to this planet, this earth, this existence, mm. I, it was a bigger contrast. And I was like, it sent me into a deeper, deeper dark night. And I was just like, I didn't, I had no drive to do anything. I had no drive to hang out with people or talk to people or I just even like work. It was just this, like, I just just like step, you know, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step forward. And and then I, a few months later, uh, I discovered breath work and breath work really, that was like the integration piece that I needed to bridge that, those worlds and start to get me back into a space of feeling good. And mm-hmm. then that's kind of, you know, and all the whole, the whole way through, I bet I was reading different books, spiritual books, surrender experience, uh, experiment, like a new earth, Eckhart Tolle. And then I discovered Joe Dispenza, mm-hmm. um, his work. And so a lot of that stuff is just, it was just been an everyday practice. I started doing breath work every day after I discovered it. And that really helped bring me back to, <laughs> back to earth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went through a lot. That was the dark time. And then it's just been like practicing more and more magic every since then and understanding, learning and, and trying to gain different tools. And I was still meditating through that. And, and um, yeah, it's just kind of like slowly evolved to a space. I started doing mushrooms, mushroom mushrooms. I really, really love because there's just such a space of healing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very much in the subconscious, especially when you go into like super macro hero doses and things like that. And, you know, I've done probably, you know, done quite a few over the last couple of years and created my own kind of ceremony process and, and really have dove, dove in, mm-hmm. <laughs> dove in with those. Um, and they've, par- they've been particularly uh, such a beautiful experience. And a lot of it's like your body, like so much trauma is held in the body. Yep. And I know like doing some of those, a lot of those ceremonies, my body is just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's releasing, it's crying, it's moving. It's, you know, and it's like, I say my body because it's like a, when you're in that, that dose, you almost don't even feel like you're really, you are your human at that point. Like you're, you are the divine intelligence. That's just like, you know, operating through the human, mm-hmm. but the mushrooms kind of like, it's like a deep cleaning and I had a really big, a uh, really great mushroom journey on the on New Year's this this year. Actually, I love to do mushroom journeys on the new on the first of the year because mm-hmm. it kind of it sets the tone and kind of gets gets things moving. But it was just like such a, a different embodied knowledge than than knowledge by description and knowledge by just kind of like reading a book versus like being it and understanding it. Um, so yeah. that's kind of been my journey. I'm in mean, practicing 
all kinds of stuff all along the way. Different. I did ayahuasca down in Rhythmia, and that was like a great, that was a great experience as well. And healers and energy healers and all kinds of things. But uh, you know, kind of moving back to space of wholeness and and really moving through the world in a different way now. Totally. There's so much that you just said that I was just picking up on and resonating with so deeply. I've had a really similar experience where I've been in this, as you say, kind of dark night of the soul. And then you discover, I discovered mushrooms first and then LSD and DMT eventually. Uh, But yeah, it absolutely is life-changing. And I think what people might not understand about plant medicine is that it's not like it's not like cocaine or a drug where you disconnect and you're completely separate. It's like a fully embodied experience where you start to, or at least I would look at my flesh and look at myself almost like, it sounds weird, but like an animal. I would look at myself like, whoa, I'm this like organic being completely connected to earth. What am I so worried about? I'm like a plant. And it it just changed my perspective entirely on how we operate and what's important and you can see, you can literally see sometimes the connection between everything. And so much of those self-limiting beliefs come up. Um, So what were some of your experiences that were transmuted on anything like ayahuasca, DMT, whatever you went through? Like what was something that came up for you that you were able to transmute in a big way? Um, Well, I'm still, there's still stuff that I've, I've, been working through i think there's uh with with aya there was a big piece of uh living in judgment so i grew up like with my parents always or my dad like at least the way that he showed up to me felt like he was judging me so i did but i didn't realize that and i kind of learned some of that stuff through mitt on a conscious level but i think um going through ayahuasca really kind of brought that to the surface and it and showed me you know that you know, the judgment, judging others and, and the fear of being judged is, you know, is what keeps you from fully experiencing love and, and life. And that was one thing that came through in ayahuasca and, you know, kind of released some of that. And I think there was a lot of sexual repression from growing up in a Christian upbringing mm-hmm. that has been, you know, I've been working through and, and a lot of that is a little more working in the subconscious. So, you know, going through with mushrooms and and setting the intention for things to be released and things to be healed. Cause, and then like, and then going into it. Cause I think for me, like a lot of my mushroom experiences have just been like this, like experience. There's not necessarily like any straight, like conversation with um, your higher self or, or the medicine. Like Aya is very much, you're bringing your subconscious to your conscious mind and working through things mm-hmm. with the medicine. Um, and that, this is very much has been very much different than mushrooms. Mushrooms have very just been like, like a kid in the forest, you know, and your subconscious, and you're just out playing. You might mm-hmm. hit some dark spots here and there, but um, but you're you're it's working in the background, kind of is what I'm saying. And you know, if I, you feel the right music and uh, and things like that. So another thing that I've worked through is just even even using my voice. Uh, I started my podcast probably four or five years ago. Uh, and that was kind of birthed when I went through that program and I had to start, uh, you know, I was always afraid of talking behind a microphone and, and -hmm. knowing what to say and, and, and all these things. And so even when I would record my solo episodes, I would have to, you know, start it, stop it, like erase part of it, keep Mm -hmm. coming back, back and forth. 
Um, and over the last couple of years, one of my, you know, just intentions doing mushroom in, in my mushroom ceremonies was to like release blockages from that. Right. And so I really believe it has, you know, I've gotten to the point where this last year and a half where I can just drop and do a 30, 35 minute podcast, one take and just free flow. So it's definitely, there's, it's helped. I think it really, really helps really subconscious blocks um, in different areas. I mean, you can kind of guide, you guide the, uh, you guide the medicine with your intention and then the medicine just takes you where you need to go. So yeah, those are a couple of things uh, which have been really beautiful for me. Yeah. I love that you brought up judgment. I heard somebody describe it so simply as judgment being assuming the worst in somebody and I feel like it relates to what you're saying too about podcasting and it being difficult at first because I mean, I'm a kind of a newbie to the podcasting world. I've been doing it for just under a year. And um, I always remind myself that whenever I have trouble or I, you know, stutter or like I'm afraid to do a solo episode, for example, it's just because I'm in a place of judgment of myself too, that it's like, I'm assuming that I'm going to screw up or I'm going to say something wrong. But when I come back to this place of, oh, just relax. It's okay. Like nobody really cares what we're doing anyways. Like everybody's just kind of living their own lives. If they come across our content, it's beautiful and they feel like connecting. That's wonderful. But right. it's, yeah, it's just about getting out of our own heads for sure. Yeah. And sometimes that takes a lot more work. <laughs> yeah. It's like a lifetime of work. I also wanted to touch on breath work, which you mentioned briefly. Um, do you do like the Wim Hof technique or what kind of breath work have you been integrating and, and how has that brought things together for you? Yeah. I mean, I think Wim Hof is it, it, like, that's the style that I've started out with and I did it a long time ago and I never really thought anything about it. And then while I was going through this dark night, I was at this event, uh, this acro yoga event. And this guy was like, Oh, I, ch I study under Wim Hof. Like if you guys want to do a, a session and so he did it and everybody like laid down they turned on some music and he led everyone through it and I was like whoa this is a completely different experience than having to sit there and look at an at like look at a timer and like you're sitting up and 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 whatnot it's a very it can be a very transcendent experience mm -hmm. and so I started doing it right after that's that's what got me into it and then I started doing it every day and I was doing it to the app you know, doing it with the app and trying to time myself and all this. And I was like, and I had music and I played some music while I was doing it. Uh, but it was still kind of taking me out of the experience to like, look at the stopwatch. So I laid down my whole, like laid down a whole guiding track myself um, with the music, with my vocals at the timestamps of, of where the, the intervals are and the, and the, the sessions or the rounds mm -hmm. and um, recorded it, put it on, a SoundCloud and, and that, that allowed me to just like drop in deeper into yeah. the meditation, into the experience. And it's still the same format, you know, where you breathe like Wim Hof style for two and a half minutes, then you exhale and you hold your breath for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And then you take an inhale. Um, and then, you know, you just kind of go sailing, <laughs> sailing from there. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's been really beautiful. So I, I still use it today and, um, I still, you know, like I'll take it and I, like I've had friends over and we'll just like push play and, and it sounds like me in the room <laughs> guiding <laughs> you through, except I'm with, I'm there with you and, and yeah. all that. So. that's so cool that you recorded yourself I've been doing that too with um, affirmations or guided meditations and I've been encouraging my buddies to do the same thing because 
I do think there's something to like being in meditation and hearing your own voice help you and speak positively. Like, you know, it, it instills a deeper sense of confidence and trust in yourself when you hear your own voice. It's like, for example, if I'm doing a meditation and I'm listening to a man, for example, take me through it, like it's still very helpful, but to hear my own voice that I completely recognize and sync up with um, guiding me through a visualization meditation or a breathwork technique, like you said, it's really powerful. Right. It can yeah. be weird, but to listen to your own voice at first doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really helpful. Yeah. I, I, it's, it actually, it's, it is weird, but it's still, it is very helpful. Like it's a great point. I'd be curious to do other, try to do other meditations mm -hmm. in that respect. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a connection too between plant medicine and breath work to a certain degree. I used to work at a meditation studio in New York and we were integrating Wim Hof techniques and we would take people through these uh, breath work meditation sessions and we'd really have to warn them before they came in. You know, if you've never done breath work like this before, if you've never really done a deep meditation, you might have a lot of emotional baggage come up or not baggage, but just things to transmute. And it might be really intense for you. And people would just be crying, breaking down. There's something about uh, breathing deeply like that, that like oxygenates the body. And I, I believe it connects to the vagus nerve and charges you up in, in a way that releases so much stuff that we might have no idea is there, but it's an incredibly powerful experience where you're almost like removed and taken over and that's why I kind of connected to like a mushroom trip in some ways when I've had intense breathwork sessions, because you're kind of out of body, but you're, you're transmuting all of this stuff and it's like a huge release. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what, what all these things are doing is they're getting you out of your default mode network in your brain. And that's, that's like that loop, that neural net loop of neural nets that has that negative, you know, the monkey brain, the monkey chatter, Mm -hmm. uh, and all these meditation, plant medicine, um, breath work, they all get you out of that default mode network. So you're kind of operating a different, in a different space. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of why all this stuff comes up and, you know, they all have different, you know, modalities and, and of the way that they work, um, mm -hmm. within your system. But yeah, I mean, that's the huge thing is, is that default mode network can get very, very strong. Very, mm -hmm. very strong. And when you're wrapped in one loop and you go in it and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker, that's where it ends up in depression and PTSD. So exactly. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up too. I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday about, um, you know, she's just feeling uh, sad a lot and getting into a self-sabotaging mode. And there, there is a certain extent to which I can uh, be like, it's going to be okay. I hear you. I validate you. Your experience is real. But there's a point where it gets into suffering where it's then a choice to keep running that loop. And like, that's so important to break. Have you had any kind of experience recently that you've observed like a loop that you need to break and how did you get out of it? Um, loops that I need to break. I mean, I, there's still loops of like scarcity uh, for me that, that come back mm -hmm. frequently because uh, my job is so up and down. Um, especially this last year with, with all the COVID stuff. And, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to work again come March last year. And uh, so, and, and I grew up in a very scarcity mindset home. And so that's always been very like a part of my, my program that I'm still working through. And it's like, it takes a lot of transmutation and alchemy to, 
to readjust those thoughts and, and fears. So, you know, I think part of it is, is working with plant medicine. Part of it is the gratitude piece. I think a big part of that is the gratitude every day Mm -hmm. and like under, like bringing myself back and grounding to know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, a big scar- I can completely relate to scarcity. And I think just about everybody listening can relate to that and, and experience that deeply. And yeah, it puts us into this fight or flight mode, like deep fear. And so I feel like a lot of, of this work is about um, releasing fear and flipping the coin and coming back to love and stability and all of that. And I love your t- term creative alchemy, by the way. Can you explain uh, what that is? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've just kind of started building upon that idea if you like this last year because I'm building my personal brand. I started building my personal brand a lot more. And, you know, what I'm like, what is it my personal brand about? What is like because I have all these creative things that I love to do and and it like spans between like spirituality, personal development and then creative expression. So for me creative alchemy is do it's it's doing that inner work and alchemizing the the most the thoughts and emotions that that basically take you to your your fullest creative expression right because this is the there's another mushroom download from the last journey was that just and, it, and this kind of goes back to soul and this is like the movie um probably had that kind of running a little bit as i went through the <laughs> as i went through the journey but like you know, I think this last journey, like I was saying, is it was very much like this knowledge by experience. And it was really crazy. I've never had like straight downloads in, in, a, in a mushroom journey like this one was. And, you know, what it was really showing me is that like these space suits, these earth suits, whatever you're going to call them, is this, this human experience is the gift to cosmic intelligence, to the divine, to, you know, the universe, God, whatever you're going to call it, to experience this dimension. Um, because there's things that we get to experience um, here that, that the, you know, the universe doesn't get to experience in that other capacity, in, the, in that other dimension. Mm-hmm. And creative expression is, is one of the biggest pieces of that, right? Like it's full sensory, right? When we, when we create you know, we're always, we're creators, we're born creators. And I think that full creative expression is life. It is, it's, it's the gift to life force, um, life force energy. And when we're so like down on ourselves and so out in our heads and, you know, that's what keeps us from creating. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think there is such a big process of alchemy to get to creative, like the space where you're creating and you're expressing and, and you're getting yourself out there, even if whatever it is, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to be an artist, um, a, a, like a fine artist or a traditional artist in that sense of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, your art could be anything. It was like the guy in Seoul where he was like dancing on the street and he was in creative mm-hmm. flow, right? That, that, is, that is the alchemy, right? It's getting to a space where you can fully express. Right. Right. You're referring to this little scene, this little character is literally just a guy on the sidewalk in New York who waves around this sign next to a store or something. And he's just fully embodied. He's like living his dream. And then he'll just astral project and end up in this shamanic realm interdimensionally and have a great time. So I thought that was such a beautiful way too to to get out of judgment and like look at all these little characters that are living such unique individual lives and, you know, realize that they're just doing them. It's okay. They can do whatever yeah. they want to do. 
This is true. This I want to talk to you about uh, photography too and how, how you got into photography and what you love most about it and what you've learned from it. Um, well, that's a, I got into photography 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. I used to be, I was a graphic designer for five years and did that, went to school for graphic design and then um, picked up a camera to sh- start shooting photography stuff photos for my design work and this was just when like digital technology had just gotten good enough to utilize on the computer uh, from a consumer perspective without spending twenty thousand dollars on a camera and that's kind of where I started I, I took a trip to Africa built a photo library for a nonprofit design client and then that just kind of was like opened my eyes to that world and then I started I ended up coming back and kind of hanging out and working with this other photographer and he opened my eyes to like the actual business side that you can make money with it. And then that's kind of where I started. And I just kind of like trudged on. I I was like, I want to be a commercial photographer, you know? And so I ended up, you know, getting there and shooting all kinds of, you know, brand campaigns for Nike and Reebok and Coca-Cola and um, magazines like Cosmopolitan and Mary Claire and Conde Nast Traveler and celebrities and, you know, uh, Bieber and Usher and those guys. And so it was definitely like a really, it's been a really fun career. You know, still doing some of that here and there. Um, the industry's definitely changed uh, in terms of the actual amount of income, you know, that you can do, you can make. And it's just like kind of flipped upside down. So I've, I've been exploring other options. And, you know, through the last like probably eight years, I've just explored other mediums like my podcast. I make hats as well. Um, I've started doing that uh, and painting murals and designing other clothing things. And it's just kind of, that's where, you know, it's, it's kind of expanded. That's, you know, that's why I'm like, Oh, I'm a creative alchemist because I do a lot of different things. And I, mm-hmm. you know, photography is my primary um, like, medium of of choice and i love it i love it because it's there's something about photographing people that it's just energy right like you're photographing somebody's energetic makeup in a moment in time mm-hmm. and you know i think there's there's essence and there's there's vibe that flows through an image when you capture it right yeah um of a person and that's been really there for some reason that just never gets old like i love i still love it Mm-hmm. I still love photographing people and, and places and the beauty of like this earth and like, and in amazing locations. And, um, you know, now I'm really doing a lot of personal branding for entrepreneurs, which has been great because I'm helping people get their message out there. Mm-hmm. And I've created a space for that. And I get to meet really amazing people and hang out, you know, it's like some of my clients now are like Lewis Howes and Jim Quick and, vision from mind valley and um all kinds of you know and it's like all these people that i get to now just go hang out with and like the the it's interesting because the conversations now with my clients are so much more interesting (laughs) than working with commercial clients because commercial clients are just it's run of the mill it's it's basic it's you know um whereas now the people that i'm the entrepreneurs are just, they're paving ways. They're like creating new things and they're like thought leaders and speakers and authors and mm-hmm. all of those types of people. And it's, it's, I really enjoy those types of conversations because I, you know, and that's kind of probably where I'm at as well is creating a lot of that for myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting how you crossed into podcasting as well, because there is a similar type of vulnerability that seems to come across in both. Like to photograph somebody and really get a beautiful shot, you have to have this level of intimacy, I feel like, or at least I have when I've been photographed. I have to feel so comfortable and connected to a certain degree with the photographer to get to get something nice or uh, you can tell like people have like these amazing bullshit detectors when you look at an image you can tell exactly how somebody's feeling if they're relaxed if they're you know where they're where they need to be but yeah 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 it's it's definitely an art i mean the art is in the energetic exchange and that starts with even just building rapport and making feel making somebody feel comfortable and moving that but also pushing them to kind of like express and 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 give mm -hmm. you more right and like the way that you see them as, as a photographer it's like the way that you see their light and I think you know I've been photographed as well and it's interesting you know I learned so much by being photographed I learned I learned so much about being a photographer by being photographed because the person behind the camera it's like oh are they giving me direction are they making me feel comfortable what are they right. what, how are they like guiding me to give them what they want totally uh, and so, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, it's, it's some, some more awkward than others. <laughs> Same thing with podcasting. I mean, you know, you, you've been running your podcast for a while now when you, you interview certain guests that are just like, not really sure what to say. And then it's kind of our job as the host to help them and, and show them that it's safe to share and be vulnerable and whatever they want to say, it's okay. And I can see that there might be yeah. a parallel there. It's really interesting. Definitely. And that's all of a reflection of the energy that you put out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. So you've worked with some major players in the game here on, on all spectrums of your career. How do you feel like you got to that point where you were able to approach these people or was it a confidence thing that you built? Like, how did you get to that level um, where you were aligning with these people? Like, does it connect to a manifestation practice that you have? Like walk us through how you got to work with these people. <laughs> well, a lot of this stuff was happening. This stuff was happening before I was even into the spiritual world. So I had no idea what manifesting was. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do, I was probably doing it by default. Um, and so for me, what my world ended up being was it, it, like in, in attracting that was just the as philanthropy and giving back. And I started, um, it's always been a piece of who I've, what I've wanted to do with my business was to donate my time uh, and like skills to a nonprofit organization to help them out. And I think you can give back in any form, right? Like for me, it was like utilizing my gift of photography and donating that to the organization. I've also raised, so I, the organization I've worked with was an organization called Pencils of Promise and they build schools for kids in the developing world. So it's Laos, Guatemala, and Ghana. And I met Adam, the founder, about 11, 12 years ago. Got connected through a, bu a buddy of ours. And he, this was in the height of my, my commercial photography career. Uh, and we just connected. And I was like, this guy's going to build something big. He's got the, biz the brain to build a business around it, but the heart, the, the bleeding heart for the cause as well. Mm -hmm. um, and he, as, a, as, a, as a nonprofit founder, you have to have both. Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. 
And uh, I saw that in him and he was like, hey, I'm going to Laos in December. If you want to come, I can't pay you, can't pay for you, but uh, you're welcome to come. I was like, sweet. Mm -hmm. So I bought a ticket, flew out there, met up with him. We traveled through the jungles of Laos for like seven days and photographed kids at the schools. And he had just built like one or two. He had one school built and he had two more that were on the way. And it was such a beautiful experience to be out there and just like, and like hanging out with the kids. And it's, it, you know, it, it's definitely like an experience that changes you as well, mm -hmm. uh, that changed me. And, you know, I got back from that experience and then like a year, probably like a year later, I released a, a book, a travel photography book. And we did a, uh, we did a gallery party, like a party at a gallery. And I, we used those, a bunch of photos from that trip and blew them up. And like, it was so much fun. We had, you know, here in New York city and, um, and like right around that time, I remember Adam, he was like, Hey, check it out. My brother found this kid on the internet. He's going to be huge one day. His name's Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Never heard of him. Um, yeah. So fast forward down the road, like I ended up meeting Scooter a couple of years later. Um, and you, at that point, like Justin blew up, you couldn't get any time with Scooter. You tried unless you were in front of his face, but and, and so I, I ended up going down on a whim to Guatemala when Adam and Scooter were down there. This is probably like a few years later. And that's where I built a relationship with Scooter. And then we became friends. And then that next year, like, you know, he ended up hitting me up and we ended up going on vacation with Usher and built that relationship. And I met Justin. And then like a few months later, he put my name out to, to shoot Justin. So I flew to Zurich and shot Justin for, a, um, for Motorola. And mm -hmm. then, yeah, it just kind of spawned off there. And then I shot Justin a few other times. He called me to come shoot him at his house one time. So I did that. And I shot his, I shot an album with him and Cody Simpson one time that uh, never ended up seeing the light of day, just one song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was really just, I think I was just moving, you know, if I look back on it, I was moving in a vibration that was attracting that. Right. Um, but I didn't even really know what that was. I didn't even... I had no kind of language around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think giving back and, and I think that's always a part of life, right? Is just giving mm -hmm. and keeping that cycle moving and, and being generous and, you know, giving your time and talents and all that. So yeah, that's what I would say. I love that. And, you know, I think the, the hot word manifestation really just refers to raising your vibration and following your bliss so that your thoughts are creating your reality in a way that aligns with that joy and putting the pieces together from what you were just explaining. It's like you just seem to have kept following your joy. Like you showed up for something that really fulfilled you in your heart with this nonprofit and then you just kept having fun. Like, let's go on vacations. Let's meet people. And like your energy was high enough to do that, which is really inspiring. That's awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely just, I've always been surfing the wave, as somebody said one time. So I was like seeking that like high of, of life. Yeah. And so I think that high, that bliss just has created that, uh, like not necessarily intentionally, it just was. Right. And just showing up, like, like you were saying, you couldn't really talk to Scooter unless you were in front of him. And I feel like that's half the battle is just like showing up and being present and being there and available. 
And sometimes yeah. it doesn't, what I've found, you're an incredibly talented photographer. I have done uh, music for a while and I know that I'm not like the best singer in the world or whatever, but I love music and I've had some amazing opportunities link up just from being in the room because I was like, okay, these guys are going to be here. I'll just show up, make myself available because they might need me on a track or something, or I can connect with them. Like they're not going to look around. They're going to look at who's directly in front of them. Right. Let's right, right. make it easy for them. So absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that helps. I also, let's see, how can I phrase this? So I talked to a lot of women in the spiritual community and mostly women, but not a lot of men. Um, do you think like as a man, what are you learning about yourself? And, and do you feel like men are having this evolution and revolution for themselves and what are men in general releasing and coming into good question you know i think that i think that our society is so built on masculinity and and holding things in and and being you know holding things together and it's it's a product of of that right like it's a product of how we're brought up to uh to not let men be vulnerable and not let men feel what they feel right and so i think it you know it's taking i think it's 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 taking the cosmic bricks to hit people and until they listen right like the cosmic bricks are just going to get bigger and bigger until you actually listen Mm -hmm. and i think now uh, um i think because of the masculine side of of society that's why it's like you know i think tapping into the spiritual side is is the divine feminine and that feminine obviously rides higher within women (laughs) so i i think that um that it takes a lot more to break a man into break a man down in that sense um and i don't mean like well maybe i mean it depends on what it takes you know what i mean i have a friend um, and if you don't follow uh, man, at Man Talks and um, at Mindful MFT, they're like really good friends of mine. They're, she has one of the biggest relationship practices here in New York City, and he coaches men uh, through shadow work. Mm. And shadow work is like one of the biggest things I think men can, it's a place to start, right? Um, you know, you can go down the road of, of psychedelics and getting your ego blasted, blasted apart. And, and there's many ways of doing it. <laughs> and it, in fact, it's funny because, um, Connor Mantox, he's, he's actually, I think he's either doing a course or writing a book on basically this topic of like, how can you like understanding men? and understanding the shadow side of men. And, and we're having this conversation this weekend, in fact, of just like, how does that work? You know, and he's very good at, he, he'll do these men's retreats where he'll just like, he can, he's like, yeah, but I, I'm really good at making people cry. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but in the process, in a beautiful process, like he'll, he'll push men, primarily men into a space where they just can, they break down and they, it comes out right? The, mm-hmm. the, the floodgate, the barrier breaks apart. And I think that barrier is so strong. Like, because like I said, the society, like society has created that mm-hmm. society has pushed us into that space uh, for as men. So I think as men start to do more of this work and tap into that, and I don't know what that takes. I don't know what the cosmic bricks, you know, because I think you can't really help people that don't want to be helped, right? Yeah. And until somebody kind of comes, like for me, it was that dark night of the soul of like, oh, shit, 
I don't understand anything and I don't understand the meaning of our existence and like all the stuff is just like falling apart in my life. You know, I could either take that down one road or I can keep pushing to figure out how to like alchemize that and what even alchemizing that means. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know what it takes, you know, I, I definitely for myself, I, I never was really hyper masculine. Um, I've always kind of, I have a pretty balanced masculine feminine energy. And I think that like as an artist probably is, is a piece of that, um, in mm-hmm. like moving in moving through life. So yeah, that's what I, that's what yeah. I think. No, absolutely. And I think I'm living with um, three men for the first time in my life in Topanga. I've never really lived with men like this before. I also have a very balanced, maybe even more masculine energy sometimes, which I'm actually trying to balance out because I think a lot of women actually are carrying a, a heavy masculine energy because of the commercial world that we live in where we need to be good at business and we need to connect with men a lot. And so a lot of us put on kind of an armor but what I've been noticing about the men here is that they um, they almost needed permission at first to have these kind of conversations and be shown that it was safe and okay and that uh, women were not going to be less attracted. In fact, that we would be more attracted to them and have you know a deeper gratitude and respect for them as they opened up. So I've just kind of noticed that with some of my male friends, it's about giving permission and creating a safe space for that. So I love hearing about men's groups and and places where men can be together and be seen and held and and shown that it's okay to be vulnerable and like it's it's very human i don't know where it came from from the beginning that men weren't allowed to show emotions but um women uh need to see that in men and yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's it's i think it's growing more now with all the like the content that people are putting out i think people are more curious to explore that so Mm-hmm. feel okay with that you know yeah and in fashion too I mean you, you notice how men are starting to experiment with makeup or like are dressing differently and it doesn't make them like gay or anything it just makes them like exploring expression in such a cool way uh, yeah. which I love about the the Gen Z generation like they're really coming in um, in that wave which is yeah, really interesting definitely to see. definitely a whole different ball game of gender really yeah, no, totally. So Nick, I'm, I could ask you questions for like a year, but is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to touch on? Mm, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, that's kind of an out there question. But yeah, I mean, I really just appreciate you taking us through your journey. And I think one of the parts that was most inspiring to me was that you ended up in this shadow this kind of dark night of the soul and a lot of people will crush themselves under that heaviness and it takes a certain kind of person and a certain drive to say it's going to get better i can get out of this and i'm going to find tools for myself to use so i really appreciate you talking about that thanks yeah i mean it was just one of those things where you can still see the light and how i knew how i wanted to feel i just had to get there and I had to keep putting one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other and just baby steps. You know, it took a good, probably a year, year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we've been talking a lot about is kind of creating our own realities by uh, reworking and rewiring our belief systems. And it comes back to the point of not being the victim in life and realizing that, um, we can take responsibility for this life and we can create whatever we need to want to create 
and the world is working for us and not against us. And I think that's something big that people are starting to realize is that we're not, we're not victims. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and check out your work? Uh, I would say Instagram is probably the biggest space at Nick Onken, N-I-C-K-O-N-K-E-N. My main website is Mm onken.co. So there's podcasts and blogs and all the links, and that's another central spot as well. Perfect. And your podcast is Onken Radio? Yep. Awesome. Love it. Dot com. At at Onken Radio. Uh, The hats are at Onken Hat. So everything's linked from the Instagram. So it's pretty, it's kind of like this. That's why I say it's a central point. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I'll link that all in the description below. So thank you so much for being here. It was so good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for being here and tuning into this episode today. I hope you learned something new and that you're feeling maybe more inspired for some area of your life. Again, you can follow Nick on Instagram at Nick Onkin and at Onkin Radio. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore. My website's HelenDenham.com. You can find links to past podcast episodes, blog posts that go up weekly, links to my music, and you can subscribe to my Sunday newsletter, which I send out weekly. I have so much fun doing that. So I hope you'll join me there too. But I'm sending you so much love. Remember that you're not alone. I know that's an overused term, but you are truly not. Every experience that you have that might feel difficult, no matter what it is, somebody has been there with you or is experiencing it with you. So know that you are loved and you are held and that we are truly in this together. I know how it sounds, but it's so for real. Okay. Well, I will talk to you on the next episode. I hope you have a beautiful day or evening, no matter where you are. Please hit me up if you want to chat. If you have any questions, talk to you soon.